As marketers, we're always looking at the numbers. What's the click-through rate? What's the ROI on that campaign? What were the results of that A-B test? What's the airspeed and velocity of a coconut carrying swallow? Okay, maybe that last one was just me. But out of these many metrics, smart marketers often pick just one that drives their marketing and defines success. You can really tell a lot about a marketer based on what their metric is. Some people focus on quantitative measures. Others look at qualitative metrics. Some people are all about the revenue. It's this number that really shapes your business and can be the difference between failure and success. I'm your host, Kara Hogan, and today we're digging into the data. This is The Empowered Marketer. For Dominic Coriel, the only e-commerce metric that matters is customer retention. Coriel's the growth advisor at Glambot, a site for makeup lovers to buy and sell gently used makeup. It's Coriel's job to make sure the company not only converts new customers, but keeps existing buyers coming back again and again. But because the company is offering something a little different, it's sometimes challenging to convert buyers who are a little wary of used products. A lot of people raise their eyebrows when they hear that, but there's actually a huge problem where makeup ends up in landfills all the time. And that's because a lot of people go out, they buy this expensive makeup, Maybe they change their mind about it. Maybe it looks different in the, the, the store lighting. Maybe it's not right for them. And because it's expensive, they want to resell it and it's very gently used. So Karen, our founder, uh, faced this problem when she had you know, drawers full of makeup, you know, had no place to sell it. So she built a site and got you know, some initial people who were interested in buying it and saw that there was a thing there. What she did differently was that she uh, offered a sanitization service where they would sanitize everything because she had like a, a background in science and that kind of really took off. And so as people got to know that the, the makeup was all, you know, verified real and was cleaned, uh, they became very comfortable with it. It's just, you know, it's grown since then. Who's your target audience? And is this a tough group to engage? Luckily, it's not a tough group to engage from like an interest standpoint or necessarily to find because it's really people who are like, you know, makeup hardcores, um, people who love makeup. They're, they're easier to find. The problem there is that it's extremely competitive, right? You have really big companies that are uh, have very, very big budgets. Uh, you think of the Sephora's and the L'Oreal's and the Ipsy's of the world who have very big margins on makeup. Makeup actually has like gigantic margins because what they're really selling is brand. So for us, of course, we don't have those same types of margins because uh, one of the reasons people like us is that our prices are at a discount because of the, the gently used nature. That also becomes kind of like our competitive advantage in a way. Normally, pricing could never be a competitive advantage, but I'll explain that um, a little bit later. So the groups are really broken down into like sellers and buyers. We would wish that there was more crossover. There's not a whole lot of crossover between people who sell and people who buy. That's kind of cool, too, because that means that there's a continuum here. So um, in terms of the, uh, the actual buyers, the, that's divided into two audiences as well. There's the kind of the deal seekers, which are more in the like North America region. Uh, I'd say that these are people that are just really excited when they see discounts on, on makeup that they want because they can buy three products for the price of one and they can try it. Then there are kind of more like the brand seekers. And this is largely more like the international audience. And these are people that have learned about these brands through all of the fancy expensive marketing that they're doing, um, but they have no distribution locally. And so it's very hard for them to acquire 
authentic brands. They, they get sold a lot of like fake brands on, on other marketplaces that aren't regulated. And um, so these are more like the brand seekers who find a lot of value. And so there's, there's kind of the push and pull between, you know, which audience do we go after? But luckily, they're, they're, they're easy to find, hard to afford as an audience, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. That, that goes into my next question, which is, you know, since you're kind of a newer e-commerce brand, uh, how do you expand brand awareness to, to acquire those new customers? Yeah, totally. We actually, just being in startups for, for quite some time, try to not really focus on brand awareness at all that much because it's very hard to measure. A lot of the like kind of more like vanity metrics related to like, you know, impressions and likes and reach and uh, do people are, you know, view throughs and stuff like that. I, I don't put as much stock in. So brand awareness for us, luckily, because it's such a unique value prop and there's like an immediate reaction when people hear it, either, oh, my God, that's awesome. Or, ew, use makeup. Either way, it's like a good, it sticks in the mind. So like, luckily, that works. The way that we would measure brand awareness really would be direct site visits. Uh, so like conversions through direct traffic uh, or conversions through um, uh, organic search related to brand terms or paid search related to branded terms. And that's pretty much the kind of extent of how we think about brand awareness. It's really at the end of the day, more about the tangible conversions or KPIs like emails and sales and repeat customers that we can track. In terms of that, how do you think about new customer acquisition? Could you share a, a few tactics that have worked and what channels that you think are most successful in bringing in new customers? We really focus on micro conversions because a lot of people are not ready to, uh, even though they'd be ready to buy like a Mac or a NARS product the first time they see it online, they might not be ready to buy a product directly from Glambot um, for the first time because of the, the, the non-new uh, nature of it. If we think about that, uh, most of our funnels lead towards some sort of email collector. So email is a really big deal for us. And uh, the channels that we're, we're largely looking at are influencers because influencers, um, if they've tried use makeup, uh, that helps people get over the, the hump of being like, oh yeah, like, you know, this is actually something they're doing. Influencers, interestingly enough, of course, also drive up organic search and direct site traffic as well too, because people hear or they see about it and they go search for it. So it's a good, it's a good driver there. Other channels, of course, are Facebook ads. Uh, Largely looking at email acquisition there, again, to uh, Instagram ads. We do, when I mentioned the competitive advantage of our pricing, that is cool for stuff like Google AdWords with product catalogs, where we can we can show products that are cheaper um, without actually a discount, just because they're cheaper in nature based on the, the recycled nature of it. Uh, and then there's a lot of like forums and groups that we've propped up and that we were active in and stuff like that. So those are really the, the top four top four channels that we're focused on. We spend about, you know, 20, 30% of our time uh, trying out new channels. And I think as most, most growth marketers will, uh, will attest to, I think you know, 90% of the stuff you, you try doesn't work the first time. So it's a push-pull between trying to figure out what we, where to experiment and where to just stick with like operationalizing and optimizing. Um, but that, those are largely the channels. And that's just because that's really where the customers are. What's in your tech stack right now, uh, and why did you choose those specific tools for for the company? The e-commerce stack we're on is completely homegrown, and that's because there's both a buying and selling component. There aren't really that many good off-the-shelf tools for that. We could run two different systems, uh, sometimes especially with how fast Shopify is growing and how well it plays with all the other tools. It would make sense to, to move over there. It's just a very big to-do. 
it's, it's nice having our own tool too. Cause you know, our engineer is just super fast and, um, you know, can do great things. The analytics tool we have, uh, for the most part is Mixpanel panel and Google analytics, just very standard. Uh, don't do a whole lot of crazy, uh, analytics or SQL queries. It's all pretty, pretty basic e-commerce tracking from a CRM perspective. What we're, what we're most excited about actually is AIS. And uh, we were on MailChimp and Mixpanel for behavioral. So MailChimp for newsletter, Mixpanel for behavioral. It was a little hard having emails and segments in two different tools. MailChimp, I also didn't feel like the deliverability was fantastic. And there's some user constraints, even though the user interface is really nice. There's some constraints when it comes to like lists and building segments and functionality. So uh, we started looking at a bunch of different tools and Zayas became the, the clear winner, mainly because of it's like, it's CRM first functionality, and then how email will branch off of that. Push uh, Chrome push will branch off of that. Um, eventually, like web push, and you know maybe even SMS, depending where you guys go. Uh, but I like the idea of having you know a central hub for for uh, your customers, and then linking everything to that, including the the Facebook uh, lookalike audiences and stuff like that, which is which has actually already decreased our CPA for email addresses and stuff like that, which is great. Other communication tools, ManyChat, I really like using for uh, Facebook bots. Uh, I think that that team is uh, is ahead of the curve with the stuff that they're doing, and they make it really easy to communicate on Facebook uh, with your customers. Great level of automation, too. And then for referrals, we use Talkable, which I'm a bit biased because that was a company that I was a co-founder in. So referrals are super important for any e-commerce brand that has a unique selling proposition. And so getting people to share as much as possible, that's great. Yeah, I love hearing the detail of what people actually use for tech because everyone has a little bit different tool or something else that they're using, which is interesting. Yeah, there's so many tools. So <laughs> many, so many. I was just looking at, was it the MarTech stack map? Have you seen? Oh, yeah. Everybody's seen this thing and it's just like, oh my God, it's ridiculous. So what's what's your team's big marketing focus right now? Can you kind of talk about you know some specific campaigns that you're working on? The main thing that we've been focused on is kind of like, experimenting with a viral wait list and um, doing like an inventory hoarding to get that email list built up. So far, that's been going uh, really well. And I think because of like people are excited about Black Friday. So like typically ads become way more expensive during this time period. Somehow we've been able to like get the targeting down where we've been acquiring emails for like um, very, very sub dollar range, uh, which is great. Hopefully they convert. The focus of our entire effort for this has been, you know, build a list open the sale, move that. If this works, we're going to continue to kind of do that that type of thing for for other more manufactured sales. Then just campaigns in general, we want to we want to move people into doing more of the nudging, uh, trying to move them up by helping them find products that they uh, would be more likely to enjoy um, and spend less time searching for on site. Let's talk metrics next. How do you actually measure success? Like what what's your definition of success? in addition to you know the standard kind of ROI metrics? So I think that we would look at success based on the number of repeat purchasers. And so uh, this is also really nice with, uh, with Zayas looking in uh, the customer's panel where you get to see all of the, the life cycle of all the different segments and kind of like what stage they're at. So we would think about loyal customers being uh, the most successful metric. And then of course, after that, we would think of new customers and what percentage of those new customers survive and become a loyal customer after the three-month mark. And if that number, if that percentage is high, then it means that our acquisition efforts are on point. 
if that number is low, it means that we're we're you know targeting the wrong audiences, or we're doing, or there's something wrong in in the product experience. Yeah, have you ever had an experience like that where you've seen a number and been like, oh no, something is awry, and then figured out what was going on? Yeah, I mean that that happens all the time. I think that the more you look at numbers, the less you have the like, holy, sh-, you know, what's going on moments because you you don't get surprised as much. But I mean, there's there's campaigns that just like, especially with some more like proprietary channels. Uh, I won't you know name the channel, um, but recently ran a test and you know it was the big big commitments on minimum minimum spend and we acquired one email and but I found that out in the first day and compared that to the number of the number of visits compare that to every other channel and it's like you know four thousand times less. And so like was able to call up in that first day and just say, hey, we can't do this. This doesn't work, right? If you don't pay attention every day, like then that would be like a $5,000 mistake. Luckily, it was a $0 mistake. You know, those things just naturally happen when you experiment and try new things. But just watching stuff every day is the way to to not have those be catastrophic. Yeah. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, that's some great advice. So you talked a little bit about this, about trying to get the repeat customer. So how do you nurture your existing customers to get them to, you know, buy a second, third or fourth time? Yeah, totally. There's a lot of kind of talk about this now about retention being the most important metric. And, you know, retention really is like if you if you pay attention, like one one of the only blogs that I really pay attention to is Reforge um, by Brian Balfour and uh, just fantastic stuff. They recently published a piece about how retention is actually the metric that moves all other metrics, uh, including referrals and acquisition. And couldn't agree with that more. The problem is that there's just so few. The reason why people don't focus on enough is because there's not enough levers to pull, right? So in the past, historically, like if people weren't buying again, like what do we do? We're like, oh, well, let's just give more discounts and uh, let's show them the products that they've seen before. Those make sense. But it's also training your customers to, you know, click on your website, wait four days and then get a discount for the thing that they want. You know, people are amazingly uh, intelligent when it comes to like seeing patterns and, and things like this happen at every e-commerce store. I don't have a solid answer specifically on how we're going to, you know, influence or drive retention in our growth model. But we are suspecting that it's going to have to do largely with being able to do more like product recommendations around replenishment. And also about new arrivals that are related to previous browsing behavior and previous um, purchase behavior. And also tying in more product marketing with influencers that will help support that and then using that in content streams. We wouldn't be able to do that without having the right, you know, data set triggers and tools. And so that's that's one thing that we're we're excited with like, from a recommendation standpoint of having the CRM like Zayas to, to be able to lean back in and, and uh and test that. So hopefully that works. Um, it's a big undertaking. So it will take a lot of time to get that right. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. And if you figure it out, a bunch of people will be interested to hear how you're doing that. <laughs> what do you think is going to be most important for e-commerce success uh, as we move into 2018? I'm probably not going to say anything like novel here, uh, <laughs> but more CRM related marketing, kind of like what I was just talking about. Um, largely making it easier for people to discover the items that they may be interested in. Understanding that attention span is becoming shorter and shorter as we progress with more devices and faster apps and more distractions. So uh, really making mobile um, a focus and making it easier, you know, following following suit with Amazon of how, how easy they make everything. 
And then largely also focusing on uh, product trends of what we're purchasing. Um, so really focusing on allowing people to sell us products that we know are going to sell at a higher price point and we pay them more. So focusing on product curation heavily, uh, getting the real like the real right products and listings into the site, which is very unique to our business. But I guess any e-commerce business could it could come down to sell the right thing. Right. Sell something people want. Yeah. Win the game. Sell something people want. Like that's it all boiled down. Yeah. Hopefully you feel inspired to sell something people really want. If you'd like to learn more about Dom, check out distrodom.com. That's D-I-S-T-R-O-D-O-M. And you can also visit glambot.com to check out their used makeup. And thanks for listening to The Empowered Marketer, brought to you by Zayas. I'm pretty excited about this podcast so far, and I'm really thrilled to see the feedback we're getting from our listeners. If you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, go for it. Or you can email me directly at empoweredmarketer at Thanks again and talk to you in two weeks.